Hello and welcome to the final episode of Mizine on Air Series 2. This week we are travelling out of space and talking all about panspermia. With fears of the pandemic now sweeping the world, mystery still surrounds the origin of the coronavirus. Popular belief is that the virus mutated from birds, but a group of astrophysicists have long believed this virus comes from a lot further away. From deep space, in fact delivered to Earth on the tail of a comet. It sounds far-fetched, I know, but the world-renowned English scientists that came up with the theory were ridiculed over 20 years ago. But it appears their theories were way ahead of their time. I am joined once again by Michael Troy, a Eureka Science Prize-winning journalist from the ABC based in Sydney, Australia. This is the second time he's been in the series now and it's a pleasure to have him on. Well, Michael, thank you for joining me. First of all, please may you tell me, what on earth is panspermia? Yes, it's a, a word not many people would be familiar with, but the origin of life in the universe. And that we all know of some of the more popular ones, like Big Bang, etc. Well, panspermia is one that's uh, it's there. It's been there for a long time. Panspermia. Not a name you're going to forget in a hurry. But it basically means that all evolution on Earth is caused by a steady influx of viruses coming in from the universe via comets, straight off the back of comets' tails. It's a bit weird, isn't it? I'm not really sure how to react to that one. How recent are these comets that are coming to Earth, bringing all these viruses across? They're coming all the time. Um, and we, you know, you probably heard of Halley's Comet, which is one of the last big ones in 1986. That everyone was looking at, but it, what you'll see on a comet, and this has been proven by a recent uh, expedition from the European Space Agency that landed on a comet um, and started recording all the bits and pieces so they know exactly what's on them. But the comet itself is a big blob of rock in very strange shapes, but it contains a lot of water and it also contains things that mix in this water, i.e. microbes, um, different chemicals, etc. And when the comet gets close to the sun, coming around near us as it's flicking around the sun, because they do go in a big orbit, they warm up and this body of water then starts creating an aura, which is called the coma. And that is what you see on Halley's Comet. It starts to glow as it gets near the Earth. And then a big tail shoots out the back. Well, all these things contain trillions and gazillions of microbes. Not really understood, but that's exactly what the original scientists from the astrophysics lab there at uh, the Institute of Astronomy at Cambridge. His name was Sir Fred Hoyle. Fred Hoyle was born in 1915 and died in 2001. Amongst other things, he proved the majority of natural elements in the periodic table were made inside stars and distributed through space by supernova explosions. That's what he said, that is the key to life. These things are literally dragging life around Earth, they're the seeds. They're, they're dropping seeds all over the place on planets like Earth and stuff. For a long time, it was thought all comets in our solar system came from our solar system, and there are thousands of them. But last year, scientists confirmed objects like comets are being slung into our solar system from deep space, i.e. interstellar seeding machines loaded with all sorts of bugs and just spraying them everywhere. Fred Hoyle was right again. This has left me thinking, what else has he prophesied that's going to come true? Or should I say worrying? Normally a comet is a part of a star that's exploded a long time ago. Um, so, you know, they could be 
billions of years ago, but once they blow up, they sort of send all sorts of things out, or planets, and these, they thought they were just lumps of rock with nothing on them, but they actually have water and stuff like that. So there's, there's a lot happening there. But what Sir Fred Hoyle, uh, you know, upset the establishment with was that his theory was that these things contained all the elements of life. And that was just like a no-no at the time and very controversial. And he was completely sort of in a fight with Stephen Hawking's. So he was considered senior to Hawking's. So Hawking's became the famous one, but his theory was that somehow life just, boom, you know, came out of nothing. It's a big bang. Yeah. And everybody got this sort of confused because it was Hoyle who actually said, what, what a load of crap. What are you saying? The world just, the universe was created by a big bang as sarcastically. And so it was Hoyle that actually came up with the name that Stephen Hawking's then adopted and went on to be famous. Whereas poor old Fred Hoyle, who helped invent radar during World War II, was considered a leading British scientist. He went on to a bit of ridicule because he was he was seen as talking about aliens and sort of intelligent life and all this sort of stuff. So so his his career sort of suffered and Hawking's went through the roof. Wow. You've got a feel for the guy. When these comets get to Earth or drop their seeds, as you've said, on Earth, what happens then? How do these microbiomes then turn into viruses such as the coronavirus, which we are suffering with at the moment? Yeah, well, that's the, the good question because he was, as I say, a bit of ahead of his time. But research has shown now that about 41 kilometres above the Earth, at any one stage, there's a whole layer of the stratosphere that is literally full of viruses that rain down on Earth non-stop. You are being covered in viruses all day long, every day. You just don't know. You're making me want to grab some hand sanitizer and never leave my house again. That's a pointless exercise, really. <laughs> if you consider the bombardment is massive, and what happens is once a comet goes past, the theory is that the... Uh, the seeds are dropped onto the earth on the outer layer, but they stick there for a while in this protective zone. You could think of it as one or two things. This this layer is protecting us, but it's also permeable. Protecting or infecting? The fact is that some of these viruses are coming through after a while, and why it probably got to be the coronavirus here is that uh, he prophesized and is accurate, the thinnest layer of the stratosphere is above the Himalayas, right near China. And he said that's where they'll drop out. And he said that 20 years ago. And he has measured, he did some measurements to calculate that there were viruses in that zone. And China is the hotspot for these things to land because of the atmosphere above it. So his prophecies are actually coming true. Uh, yeah, it's, it's true. You heard it here first. If you look at the history of terrible plagues, comets were associated with nearly all of them. Um, if you go back in time, you know, hundreds of years, the Chinese always associated uh, the coming of a comet with a terrible plague. And 1918 is the, the one that you want to really focus on because that was the last great pandemic. That was when the Spanish flu erupted. Up to 100 million people died. But uh, it was, uh, you know, it was one of these things that they couldn't explain at the time. It, it started in China, they believed, some thought America, but it, it lay dormant. So it was called the first wave didn't do much, just like today. The coronavirus is fairly innocuous. It's not really killing them. But then it came back again in a second wave about eight months later, dropped down all around the world. So they couldn't figure out how it, in 1918, with no air transport virtually, it popped up all across Europe, all across America, South Pacific, Alaska, all at once. The only theory that stood up was panspermia. 
that it would drop down out of the layer, and that layer and that sort of um, wave killed 100 million people very quickly, and then it just disappeared, just disappeared. Like they still to this day do not know why it stopped and why it stopped killing. It just gone. So global epidemics of two waves. Three, yeah, two or three, but it's two quite or often, three. It's quite often the second and third that are the worst. The third one. If you catch it the later in the third one, you're more likely to survive. My dad was born with the Spanish flu. His, his mum uh, and pregnant women very rarely survived. So uh, he actually was born very luckily, I suppose you could say, uh, because she was isolated with the Spanish flu. and She survived and he survived and therefore I was born. And aren't we all happy for that? prophecies has he made so I can get a head start in planning and preparing for the end of the world well it's not the end of the world it's the development of the world I mean that's he's saying this has been going on for a long time your DNA has eight percent viruses you are a virus yourself so you have all the storage of centuries or thousands of years of, of, of viral bombardment is in you humans living walking talking viruses also, the Earth is known as the planet of viruses. There are more viruses than anything else on Earth. Um, so we are completely accepted by the viruses. We're part of it, whether we can be shaped by them, because viruses by nature don't kill you, they shape you, they change you, they alter you. So that's what his theory was, that it's, it's another intelligent life form breeding its own life form through us. Hmm, what a lovely thought. Viruses aren't always a bad thing. No, they're not. They're, they're, you cannot be born without a virus. There's a virus that you have to catch or you won't, uh, your placenta won't take. Um, viruses are very, very much part of your life. And if, if you didn't have them in your body, you probably would die because they actually commit to, uh, to protect you. Once you've had measles, for example, you know, everybody used to get measles in the old days. That will live with you for the rest of your life and be part of your system. So thinking ahead, when is the next comet either predicted or known to be coming over the Earth and bringing a whole host of new viruses along with it? Uh, well, unfortunately, they come in all the time because if you watch falling stars and things like that, as little comets, you know, asteroids and things, they bang through and burn up on the atmosphere, but that doesn't mean they've killed the viruses. <laughs> so the viruses might be sitting up there in this upper layer, um, this sort of, you know, collection zone that they eventually fall down through uh, but it's, it's not the end of the world it should be it should be good but the funny thing that Sir Fred Hoyle did was he was not only a sort of brilliant scientist he also wrote radio plays and he made a couple of movies strangely enough and one was called A for Andromeda and uh, <laughs> this one is my favorite but it was it was big in 1962 a bit before my time <laughs> but A for Andromeda was that as, as the aliens somehow sent a message through one of these viruses to Earth and uh, the um, military got hold of it, or a brilliant scientist did, and they made a supercomputer which uh, started basically the Brits winning all the wars because they were getting alien technology. But this thing actually wanted to build a human, so it built a, um, a girl uh, who was called Andromeda, but she was an alien. So it quickly morphed into building us. Is this Hoyle's way of explaining another one of his prophecies? So that's what Fred Hoyle was talking about. 
viruses shape us. They can motivate us. They can make us do anything. They could theoretically make us reform the planet. Oh, global warming for another life form. Who knows? Is that your prophecy? Are you prophesizing that global warming, some new species will benefit from it? Well, that's right. Other species will benefit. Other plants like more higher levels of CO2. But that movie, uh, Andromeda, uh, which has been uh, sort of put out a few times, what it was trying to say was that the um, this thing that was changing us, this girl that looked like all the rest of us, was changing us and would take over the world. That was his his end of day story. He was saying it was a you know, reshaping us in a bad way to do bad things, and there was much we could do. But then, just to ruin the story, I've done it. What do you call it? A spoiler alert. Yeah, spoiler alert. <laughs> if you're ever planning on watching *A Andromeda*, turn off now. Turn off now. In the end, um, the scientist got onto it. He was a young, good-looking guy. Tom Hardy played it in the latest film. So when he was really young, worth looking just to see Tom Hardy. <laughs> but he, he was—he sort of went, "Oh my God, I've seen what Andromeda is. She just looked like a normal girl." So he had to kill her. <laughs> and the computer. Sorry about it. Spoiler alert. But that saved the world. So save, Okay, yeah. that can be allowed then. So he had a lot of meth in his madness, it seems. There was a lot of sense. Just a bit too early for his own good, a bit before his time. Yeah, and it was very sad because he was really good. And he was absolute genius. Uh, no, you've never heard of him, have you? Fred Hoyle? Hey, I, anybody? anybody? No, anyone? Any takers? I, sadly, I haven't. I feel really bad for it because, obviously, Stephen... Hawking has had so much fame and recognition globally for the Big Bang Theory and all his work. That's right. And he uh, he was the nemesis of this guy. There was his other colleague, which I've certainly never heard of and can't pronounce, but Suramayan Chandra Gaskar. He apparently was so famous from taking Fred Hoyle's work, he got a Nobel Prize for it. But Fred didn't get the Nobel Prize, even though he did it with this guy. So it was a cruel world, this okay. Fred Hoyle. It really, really was. And panspermia, you've got to remember that. Panspermia, you know what? I don't think I'm going to forget that name anytime soon. But now I know what it is. Comets bringing in new viruses and showering them onto the earth. And Thomas Hardy made the film. And what a happy thought to leave everyone with. Uh, Michael, thank you so much. That actually wraps up season two of Mimazine on Air. So it's been a pleasure to have you on twice on the series. That's a pleasure to be here. And ending out of space. Wow. Thank you very much. It's been great speaking to you again. And that concludes my second series of Mimazine on Air. It's been great bringing you guys along with me to cover different stories all around the world and out of this world. If you'd like to leave a comment, rate, subscribe, and review, I'd be eternally grateful. And hopefully, see you in series number three. See you soon.